a good Erev Rosh Hashanah uh, to all of you. You see, you're joining me in the new Soul Words studio, Baruch Hashem, which uh, in the coming uh, videos, Shurim, podcasts, you're going to get uh, more angles and more views of the setup over here. And thank you to everyone who uh, has been a supporter of Soul Words and making all of this possible. Uh, I also want to just mention something about Soul Words. I know a lot of you watch these classes on other platforms like YouTube or on websites like Torah Anytime, or some of you listen to them on podcast platforms like Spotify. Uh, these, these are all wonderful, and however you enjoy your content, that's how you should enjoy your content, however is useful to you and convenient to you and works for your lifestyle. I just want to make sure everyone knows that if you're looking for everything, all of the Soul Words content, all laid out in a really easy to navigate way, it's all at our website, soulwords.org. In fact, even if you put in soulwords.com, I think it redirects to uh, soulwords.org. If you go to soulwords.org, you'll see everything there. You'll get, you, you, can, you can easily navigate to the classes that are on Parsha, the classes on Sharabi Tochen, the classes on Tanya, whatever it may be, classes on Yom Tif, if you want to prepare for each Yom Tif throughout uh, the Tishrei season, which is upon us. Um, and, and also it's very easy to search for topics. You can look for, for relationships, you can look for parenting. It's all very easy to find there at soulwords.org. And uh, if you want just the audio file, every single video that's there, there's a button underneath the video player where you can just download the MP3 to your device and you'll have it to go. Okay, so we're heading into a new year. Tough Shin Pei base already. Can you believe it? 5782. One of the unique features of this coming year is that it is a Shemitah year. So a lot of people know about Shemitah as the agricultural sabbatical, the, uh, the mitzvah that Jewish farmers have in the land of Israel to allow the land to lie fallow in the seventh year. There is a concurrent mitzvah, along with the agricultural Shemitah, there's something called Shemitah's Ksofim. Shemitah's Ksofim literally means the release of money. Shemitah means release. Ksofim means of money. So what happens is every seventh year, actually at the very end of the seventh year, the last moment, very last moment of the seventh year, there is a release of all debts that are owed from one private Jewish individual to another private Jewish individual. All of those loans are dropped. And I wanted to share with you a message based on a, a letter from the Lubavitcher Rebbe about the spiritual significance of Shemitah's Ksofim, of the release of debts, and how it applies to each and every one of us. You know, there was once a, a guy who's pacing around at night, just pacing back and forth, can't fall asleep. Finally, his wife turns to him. She says, why are you pacing? Go to bed. It's late. He says, I can't, I can't, I can't. She says, why not? He says, because I borrowed $1,000 from Maishi, and it's due tomorrow, and I don't have it, so I can't sleep. She says, you owe Maishi $1,000, it's due tomorrow, and you don't have it, and you can't sleep? He says, yeah, that's exactly what I said. She says, give me your phone. She takes his phone, finds Moshe's number. She calls, 
She waits. Hello, Maishi? Yeah, you know the $1,000 my husband owes you tomorrow? He doesn't have it. She hangs up the phone. She turns to her husband and says, now Maishi can't sleep. You go to bed. When you are the creditor and someone owes you money, obviously that is a, uh, it's a, it's a bit of a nerve-wracking thing. And if you think that you're not going to get the money back, it makes it hard to want to loan somebody, even though it's a mitzvah. It's a mitzvah to give a loan. In fact, it's the highest form of charity is not to give a gift, but to give a loan. And yet, when you think you're going to lose it, it's very hard to, to want to give it. Historically, this became a problem. And the issue was recognized and rectified by Hillel Azokin, who, ena- who enacted something called the Prusbol. The Prusbol is a legal mechanism whereby a creditor can protect his or her uh, debts that are owed and be able to collect them after Shemitah. Now, you're going to ask, how does that legal mechanism work? It's actually rather simple. Remember earlier I said that the Prusbol, rather, that the Shemitah releases all personal debts, debts owed by one Jewish individual to another. So it's very simple. The Prusbol works by having the private debt turned over to the Bezdin, to the rabbinical court. And when the rabbinical court files the debt, then it becomes sort of like uh, a public record, so to speak. And then the debt can be collected after, after Shemitah. So that's how the, uh, the Prusbol came about. And it was a good thing because if not for the Prusbol, creditors would, would stop giving credit as it drew closer to the, to the Shemitah year. So how do we understand this in the spiritual realms? Everything that exists in halacha, in the practical side of Judaism, has a parallel, and in fact derives from a spiritual truth in the, in the higher worlds. So what is the spiritual counterpart to this concept of the seventh year release of debts, and the provable mechanism which can protect those debts. So the simple explanation is like this. You want to talk about creditor and debtor in the archetypical form, meaning who is the creditor par excellence? Who is the paradigm for creditors? Creditor with a capital C. Hashem himself, he's the creditor. And we, of course, are the debtors. We are indebted to Hashem. And he gives us everything. And not only does he give us everything, but to ensure that it is not namadichsuf, a bread of shame, he does it as a loan. He doesn't want it to be a, uh, a free gift, which would cause us to lose self-respect. He gives, a, he gives everything to us freely. There's no credit check. There's no, uh, oh, you didn't pass the credit check. Oh, I'm sorry, we cannot extend you a line of credit. You don't have to call, uh, what do you call it, the reconsideration line. <laughs> and you don't have to bargain with them. And 
try to get them to, to approve you for another credit line. No, no, no. Anyone who wants credit, that, like it says in Pirkei Ovis, in Gimel, that the shopkeeper keeps the, uh, the, book, the book open. There's a book that, uh, where he writes down how much you owe. Anyone who wants to take from the shop, this is the moshal, this is the, the parable from, from Peregimel of Pirkei Ovis. Anyone who wants to come and borrow, they can come borrow. And the, credit, the, the, the shopkeeper just writes down how much credit he extended to you, and that's it. And uh, you're given everything that you want, but you got to pay it back. And why do you have to pay it back? Not because the creditor in this case is uh, is uh, is afraid he won't be able to do business. Not like the creditor here, Hashem, is scarce on inventory and he's he's afraid he's going to run out, right? Like I can't order more inventory because the my the, my, uh, my customers haven't paid me the the invoices. No, no, no. It's again like we said, in order to preserve our dignity, that we should not receive bread of shame. So the whole thing is set up for our benefit. It's set up for our benefit that we should be able to take what we need. It's also set up for our benefit that we should be given the opportunity to pay it back. Okay. Now, what does it mean to pay back? How do you pay back Hashem's loans? So it's very simple. It's very, very simple. Paying back a loan to Hashem means that whatever it is that you borrowed from Him, you just use it in a way that glorifies him and that furthers his agenda in this world. So if he gives us children, how do you pay back that loan? You educate your children with a Jewish education. If he gives you health, so then you spend your energy doing mitzvahs. If he gives you money, <laughs> so that, I mean, that's a simple one. So you give tzedakah, meiser, or chaymish, or more. Every loan that Hashem gives is paid back simply by using that resource or that opportunity in a way that glorifies Hashem and furthers His agenda in this world, of making this world a dwelling place. Very simple. Now, comes Shemitah, and it's time to really take stock as a, as a debtor. You know, if we lacked scruples, if we lacked integrity, we'd say, oh, goody gum drops, the Shemitah is coming, and at the end of the year, it doesn't matter how much I owe Hashem, the slate's going to get wiped clean. But we have self-respect, and we don't want to just rely on Shemitah to wipe the debts. We want to do our best to pay back. So the first lesson, the first instruction here, is that when a year like 5782 is upon us, a Shemitah year, we know we've got one year, this is it, at the end of Shemitah, the, at the last moment of 5782, the, 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 the debts are going to be erased, and we want to make sure that we've done everything in our power to use our gifts appropriately. So we should take stock, and we should be grateful. We should say, what opportunities has Hashem given me? What gifts has Hashem given me? What talents, what skills, what strengths, what sometimes it's a networking opportunity where you know somebody or you know someone who knows somebody and you see a way of helping somebody or helping two people help each other. There's all types of ways that Hashem gives us opportunities, whether it's materially, you know, to make some money or it's spiritually to be able to do a mitzvah. Whatever it is, Hashem gave us these opportunities and we have to take stock and say, have we used them appropriately? Have, have, have we seized all of our, our opportunities? Or are we just sort of 
sitting there uh, passively as the recipient of these gifts and, and not making use of them. So, so that would be considered not paying back the loan. So Shemitah is a time to think about what are the gifts that Hashem has put in your life? Have you been using them? Have you been, have you been using these gifts in the way that Hashem wants them to be used? Okay. So we're all going to try our best to take stock and to live up to the repayment. That's what we're all going to try to do. At the same time, we are very much aware of the fact that we are human beings, we are imperfect, and it is a very real possibility that even at the end of our year of trying to make use of all the gifts that Hashem has given us, we may not entirely wipe the debt clean. We may be left with an outstanding balance on our heavenly credit card, so to speak. Okay, so if we've done, if we've truly done everything we can, then we can look ourselves in the mirror and with respect, self-respect, we can say, you know what, I'm not a deadbeat, I tried my best, and this is what's, this is what's left over, and Hashem, by His gracious, loving kindness, He's going to forgive whatever it is that I came up short. Beautiful. That's beautiful. There's no shame in that. Okay. Problem. You think Prusible only exists on earth? The Prusible only exists on earth because it exists in heaven. Everything that's down here is a reflection of a spiritual reality. So just like there's a Prusible down here where a creditor can file his debt that you, you, you owe him, he can take it and file it with the Bezdin, with the rabbinical court, and still collect on it after Shemitah. So too, HaKadosh Baruch Hu can take the debts that B'nai Yisrael owe him and file it with the Beis Din Shalmaila, with the heavenly angelic court, and the debt will not be wiped. The debt will remain and still can be exacted from us. Oy vey, we do not want that. We, we tried to pay up, we wanted to pay up, we did our best to pay up, and now there's still an outstanding balance. We want that wiped, but Hashem can go and file that with the heavenly court, we do not want that. How do we prevent that? So here's what I want to ask you. And here's the real question that we should be thinking about heading into 5782 as a Shemitah year. Is your relationship with Hashem business or personal? Is it business or personal? Very simple question. What does it mean if, if a relationship is business or personal? You know, we all know how terrible it is to feel used. It's an awful feeling to feel, feel used, right? I thought you cared about me. I thought you liked me. No, you were just using me. It's a terrible feeling to, be, to feel used. On the other hand, it's a wonderful, wonderful feeling, perhaps the most wonderful feeling, to feel useful. <laughs> What's a greater, more exhilarating, more uplifting state to be in than to have an opportunity to be a giver, to make a contribution, to be useful? So what's the difference between feeling used, which is an awful feeling, and feeling useful, which is a wonderful feeling? You know the difference? The difference is 
if I couldn't do for you what I did for you, would you still care about me? If you're only interested in me because what I can do for you, that's called being used, and it's an awful feeling. But if we have a relationship, a real relationship, it's not based on conditions. It's not based on tit for tat, quid pro quo. You scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. And then on top of that, I can volunteer to do something for you. Oh, that's the most wonderful feeling to be useful for you. Well, I got to tell you something. The same thing is true in our relationship with Hashem. We want to make Hashem feel used or useful. When Hashem gives us brachas, should he feel like all we were really interested in was to get the brachas from him and then to run away? Or maybe it's not the brachas in this life. Maybe it's Elam Habba. Maybe we want to get the Gan Eden. And that's all we really cared about. We wanted the Tainug in Elam Habba. That's called being a user. And that's called a business relationship. Or is it personal? Personal means. I care about you. And because I care about you, I'm going to find out what you care about, and I'll care about the things that you care about. So I want you, Hashem. And since I want you, Hashem, I'll find out what's important to you. Oh, you like Tayag Mitzvahs? You like the 613 commandments? Then that's what I'll give you. You know, there's a, a marshal in the Medrash about Rosh Hashanah, which explains the whole idea of Kabbalah Samalchus, when we coronate Hashem and Rosh Hashanah. It says that there was a king who came to the countryside and he saw his subjects. And the subjects all asked this king. He was a new king and they were accepting his, his authority over their realm. They said, tell us your laws. And the king said, no, no. Accept me, then accept my laws. Accept me, then accept my laws. Don't ask me my laws yet. Ask me if you want me to be king. Then I'll be king. Then I'll tell you my laws. It's very deep. Are we accepting Hashem because we find the terms of the agreement acceptable? Oh, okay. I guess I can deal with a Hashem like that. Yeah, that sounds like a good bargain. Good deal. Let's do it. Let's sign up. Or are we saying, I want Hashem. I want Hashem. And whatever it is that he deems important, That'll be important to me. That's what I'll do for him. And if I can't understand why it's important, because it's too beyond, it's too infinite for my mortal brain to grasp, then at least with Kabbalah Selmach HaShemaim, I could accept that it's important. I may not know always why it's important, but I could accept that it's important. I can give it to Hashem. And that's called making it personal. It's about the relationship. In other words, a business approach to Avedas Hashem means it's transactional. It's about a transaction. It's barter. You give me this, I'll give you that. A personal relationship with Hashem is that it's relational. It's about the relationship. It's about the two parties caring for each other. Hashem wants to take care of us. We want to take care of Him. So why is this so important to consider? Sometimes we think about this as, you know, like 
this, this level of altruism where you say, you know, I don't even care about the schar, right? It's so lofty. Oh, who can be at such a level? First of all, I want to tell you it's a Dvar Mishnah. Pirkei says, don't be like the slaves who serve their master in order to receive, to receive reward. Be like the slaves who serve their, their master, in, not in order to re- receive a reward. In other words, just do it because this is pleasing to the master. So that's, it's a Mishnah. There's a story about the Alter Rebbe, the Balatanya. He was in a state of dvekis. He was entranced. He was deeply connected in a, in a moment of, of prayer. And he, and he could be heard speaking to Hashem in Yiddish. He said, Ich will nicht dein Ganeden, ich will nicht dein Elam Haber, ich will mir nicht das dich allein. I don't want your paradise, I don't want your world to come, I just want you, I just want you. And you could say, oh, that's the Helika Balatanya, that's his Madrega, that's his level. Lubavitcher Rebbe, who's his successor, seven generations later, told that story in the famous Mimer from the Rebbe's birthday of Yud Alef Nissen, Be Yem Ashtay Aser Yem Nasi Levnei Asher, as the opening words. And the Rebbe told that story and said, really, that is the cry of every single Neshama. Like the Medrash says on the Pasuk in, in Eicha, Chalki Hashem Omre Nafshi. My soul says Hashem is my portion. Not because it's a transactional business decision, what can I get out of Hashem? Oh, he's got some Ganeid. No, he's got some Elam Haba. Let's, let's make a trade. No. But because this is my chalik, this is my portion, my lot. I am destined to be one with Hashem. I am destined to seek intimacy with the Holy One. That's it. That's it. After we've established Hashem is mine and I am Hashem's, then we'll get into the details. What is it exactly that we're asking from Hashem? What is it exactly Hashem's asking from us? That's secondary in the negotiation. But the first and foremost thing is, do you want me? Do you want me? Do you want me? Do you want me? It's a story about a Gutayid back in the Altaheim. A Rebbe, he, uh, he says to his Mishoris, he says, uh, how many people visited me, uh, Tishrei? So the Mishoris said, uh, I don't know, I have to think, uh, you know, could be a hundred. So this Kutayid said, uh, no, I don't think so. He says, I remember one. So the, the Mashadis, the attendants trying to figure out what he's talking about. There were a lot of people who came Tishrei. So this Kutayid says, I said, how many people came to see me? You're talking about this guy, he came for a bracha, for Parnassa. Talking about that guy, okay, so he came for a bracha with, uh, for, to succeed in, in learning Torah. And this guy had this request, and this guy had that request. I said, how many people came to see me? So that's what it means, business or personal. Why are we talking about this going into 5782? It's very simple. Hashem will give you the type of relationship with Him that you request. Balls in your court. The Baal Shem Tov said, Hashem Tzilcha, which we normally translate, Hashem is your shadow, protective shade. That's the, the Lashon HaPasach from Tehillim, from Dovah the Melech. But the Baal Shem Tov touched it like this, Hashem Tzilcha, Hashem is your shadow, like a shadow. If you move this way, the shadow moves that way. You move that way, the shadow moves that way. The shadow mimics your movements, right? Hashem Tzilcha means Hashem is your shadow. However you choose to move, that's how Hashem is going to reciprocate. The Holy Magid, said, 
right from Pirkeovis. Know what is above you. But he read it, he parsed the sentence a little bit differently. He said, Da, you should know. Malamaila, what is what is above, what is in the heavens? Mimach. It comes from you. Malamaila, that which is hap- happening in heaven and coming down here, Mimach, it's from you. You established it. You chose it. So we're the ones who choose the nature of the relationship with Hashem. If we want a business relationship, Hashem will honor that. It'll be a business relationship. And you know what'll happen? At the end of Shemitah, he'll say, oh, um, Pliny ben Pliny has a little bit of a, a balance left in his account. He didn't pay me in full. Okay, business relationship. What do you do with this debt? You hand it over to the Bezdin, to the Bezdin Shalmaila, to the heavenly court, and you let those angels deal with it. I'm telling you, Chavra, you do not want your heavenly spiritual debts in the hands of the angelic court. I mean, <laughs> they're the worst collections agency. They will not, there's no Rachmanis. They don't have any compassion. They will call you anytime, day or night. Okay, they have no sympathy because to them it's just a, it's just a job. And a malach is very rigid. You know, the, a, malach, a malach is more rigid than someone at the DMV. No flexibility at all. At, at all. You know how a malach works? A malach has one shlichus. He has one shlichus. That's it. I know one thing. I'm supposed to collect this debt. I'm sorry, sir. It says here on this paper that you owe such and such and such and such. That's it. You're not going to get any flexibility. You're not going to get any reason. This is like, good luck. You have better chances walking through a TSA checkpoint with a, with a water bottle. Okay, they're not going to be flexible with you. A malach is made very rigid. He's not going to reason with you. He's not going to be flexible. He's not going to entertain any logic. He's just going to say, I'm sorry, this is what you owe. And that's what we're getting. That's it. That's what we're going to take from you. So you do not want your debts, your spiritual debts in the hands of the Bezdin Shomayla. Okay, so how do we prevent that? Very simple. Very simple how to prevent that. If we establish that our relationship with Hashem is a personal relationship, then Hashem will honor that, and it'll be a personal relationship, and He'll keep the debt personal. He won't hand it over to Bezdin. He won't make a prosbol. He'll keep the debt personal. And any debt that is personal gets dropped. At the end of Shemitah, personal debts are dropped. Okay, so this is important. How do we establish that our relationship is personal? We need to know this information. It's very simple. You establish that the relationship is personal by going above and beyond. If it's business, so you punch the clock, right? Clock in, you clock out. Please do not text me in the evenings. Do not text me on the weekends. I'm I'm not available. This is just a job. Please don't flatter yourself to think that I share in the company's vision and passion or whatever. I'm doing this for a salary. Okay, those are the boundaries. So if you do mitzvahs like that, you say, Hashem, look, it says in Shulchan Aruch, this is how you're supposed to do it. I did it. Please, enough. Okay, I did the mitzvah. I was yetzer. I was exempt. I did it the way you're technically supposed to do it. I'm good. Okay, fine. You are. You are. You're right. You are good. You are good. You're 100% technically to the letter. You're good. But you've established the relationship as business. And now you got to pay up everything completely you have to go through and look at all the opportunities hashem gave you and make sure you've used every one of them to its fullest to glorify hashem and to further his agenda in this world who needs that pressure and if not it goes to this angelic court collections agency and they're going to come hound you god forbid instead we need to set it up like this we need to show hashem that it's personal by showing him that i'm not doing this because it's 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 my profession I'm not doing this because 
I'm getting paid. I know I'm getting paid. Of course, we're getting paid. Even the mission that says don't serve the master like the slaves who, who, who want to receive a reward, it doesn't say there is no reward. I mean, in fact, that's the error that, that uh, certain Talmudim made from that Mishnah, the, 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 the Tzadukim, by Tusim come from that error that, God forbid, they thought it meant there is no reward. It's much more nuanced than that. There is a reward, but you're not supposed to be fixated on it. There is a reward, but that's not the motivation. So the personal approach is to say, Hashem, I'm going to serve you not as if I'm getting paid for this, but as if this was my idea, as if I decided this was a nice way to spend my free time, as if this were as interesting to me as I know it is to you. That's a deep concept. That Hashem had a taiva, a desire, a craving for a, 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 a dwelling place in the lower realms. So you could look at it like, okay, so this rich guy wanted to build a palace and he hired me as a contractor. Fine. Or you could look at it like this. My husband, right? That's Shir Hashirim. That's marriage. That's King Solomon's love poem. My husband said, to me, his beloved wife, let's make a home together and move in. So what am I going to say? No, that's your idea. That's not my idea. That's you. That's all you. you. Just feel lucky that I'm going along with your plan. No, this is our shared vision. This is our shared dream. We both want this. We both want this. It's personal. It's deeply personal. The most personal. It's an intimate relationship. It's a marriage. And if you treat it like that, then Hashem will mirror that in kind, and Hashem will keep the relationship personal. So I want to wish all of us, in 5782, the right perspective in our relationship with Hashem. We should keep it personal, deeply personal, intimately personal. And we should experience true pleasure and, and fulfillment in our relationship with Hashem. Not fulfillment because Hashem is faithful to pay us a reward. That I know about. That, that, that's, not, that's not the point. But pleasure in the intrinsic joy and delight of bonding itself. Siva v'chsimatayva, a gut gabenched yor.